Praise the name of the Lord. This is D.K. Grooms with Rock Solid Truth, and I'm so glad that you have joined with us tonight for the Rock Solid Truth broadcast. Praise the Lamb of God. The Word of God tells us to rejoice and to give him glory and praise and magnificence. And then what a glorious and a wonderful God that we serve. you got your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. We are dealing with being filled with the fullness of God. And we have been dealing with a scripture that a lot of people just do not understand. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend or understand with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you and praise you today that the mighty name of Jesus Christ shall be exalted. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the midst of your people. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the midst of those that have eyes to see and ears to hear. To hear, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in the, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Being filled with the fullness of God does not take place automatically simply because you're born again or even because you're filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We are filled with the fullness of God because of one thing, understanding the breadth, length, depth, and height of God's love. And that understanding transforms us and changes us to where we begin to experience the fullness of God. And that fullness opening doors that were closed before simply because of our lack of understanding. What a tremendous revelation and what a tremendous promise that has been given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I titled this message, The Love of God May Be Your Problem. Can I declare to you that what I am bringing to you may be the cure for whatever your problem is. And if you as a child of God will believe and pursue that, then coming into the knowledge of the breadth, length, depth, and height of God's love, I guarantee you it's going to change you and transform you and come against any problem that's besetting you. Because that's what we are commanded by Christ. To comprehend the love of God, the agape love of God. Now, what is it that hinders us from receiving that revelation? There's a lot, but let me just name a few. Learning the hard way. In other words, always going by the way of the school of hard knocks. People treating you badly the loss of a loved one, negative circumstances and negative situations, disease. Just about anything that will bring you to a place where you think that if God is a God of love, then why are these things happening to you? And why are these things taking place all over the world? I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, if God is a God of love, 
Why are all of these children dying? Why are all of these people starving to death all over the world? Why is tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes taking place throughout the United States? If God is a God of love, why is cancer besetting so many people? Why? You see, these things can definitely deaden and discourage you. But I believe that the biggest hindrance to anyone receiving the true love of God is one thing. Religion. It's our religious system that is so far removed from the true gospel. And it's our religious system that stands between God and his people. And every single denomination believes in the word of God. And yet their interpretation brings bondage and heartache and tragedy to many of God's people concerning the way that they think. I know that I'm making some strong statements, but I believe it's the religious system of today that is keeping us from receiving the message of truth that will literally make us free. One of the major things that stands in the way of religion is making God's love conditional when it's unconditional. I'll say that again. One of the major things that stands in the way in religion is making God's love conditional when it's unconditional. The church has brought the child of God to a place where they operate under a performance mentality, a performance relationship based upon living under specific a specific standard in which brings acceptance from God. What does that mean? Most religions today state that you must live up to a certain standard. You must jump through these hoops in order for God to be pleased with you. You must walk a life of holiness. You must do this and you must do that. You must walk in that standard, then God is pleased with you. Then God loves you. Then the blessings of God flow to you. Then God is pleased with you. They teach that if you do right, it will be all right. If you do right, then the love and the blessings of God will flow towards you. And the reason that the blessings are flowing is because of your relationship with God through the things that you do, or in other words, a performance mentality. And there's many who would say, well, what's wrong with that? Isn't it the truth? No, it's not, because that's not what the Word of God teaches. That is the misunderstanding that is in the church today. This is what most of God's people believe. That it's a mixture of the Old Testament and the New Testament. A mixture of works and grace. A mixture of love and wrath. A mixture of mercy and judgment. The mixture of his gift to us and our works to maintain it. That's what most people believe. We are under a new covenant. And it's the covenant that Christ brought unto us and it's completely different from the covenant of the Old Testament. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 1.
My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, or in other words, an atoning sacrifice. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now notice the scripture. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now I'm just going to make an assumption here. Because I'm going to assume that most everyone who is born again wants to know God. John 17, 3 states that we must know the only true God who has sent his son, Jesus Christ. And here the scripture is telling us that if we know that we know him, we keep his commandments. In other words, if you keep the commandments of God, you will know him. That's what the scripture sounds like. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. That's what the scripture is saying. But that is exactly the opposite of what the verse is saying. This is what religion has taught us. Keep his commandments and you will know God. Do right and God will accept you. Do right and things will work out right. Keep his commandments. Keep the golden rule. And at the end of your life, God will reward you for all your good deeds. Follow his commandments and you will know him. Follow his commandments and God will answer your prayer. This, by and large, is the message that comes out of many churches. So what is the scripture saying then? If it's not saying that, what is it saying? Here's what it's really saying. It's saying that the way that you can tell if someone really knows God is by the way that they live their life or obey his commandments. The scripture is not saying that if you keep the commandments, you will know God. But that's what it sounds like it's saying. The scripture is saying that if you know God, it will cause you to keep his commandments. And there's a huge difference between the two definitions. One brings performance and bondage. The other brings reality and revelation of intimacy. Keeping the commandments does not make you know God. But knowing God causes you to keep the commandments. I need to say that again. Keeping the commandments does not make you know God. But knowing God causes you to keep the commandments. Let me put it to you another way. The results of you knowing God causes you to keep his commandments. Keeping the commandments does not cause you to know God. The scribes and the Pharisees kept all the matters of the law blameless. Saul, who would later become Paul, said, according to the law, I am blameless. A Hebrew amongst Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. But Saul did not know God. Today in the body of Christ, there is a great emphasis on prayer, a great emphasis on praying an hour a day. I came out of that. Many of you who went to my church remember that. I prayed two and three hours a day. 
I had people getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, falling asleep on their knees, desiring to have relationships. It was the badge that I wore. And the message is everywhere, in every church. If you really want to be close to God, then you must pray. The longer, the better. The longer, the better the relationship. That's exactly what I believe. The scribes and the Pharisees prayed three times a day. An hour at every interval and even through organized prayer. They walked the streets blowing their trumpets, announcing their prayer. They stood on the street corners praying, and they did not know God. We have prayer pavilions, prayer seminars, prayer retreats, prayer conferences. What the scribes and Pharisees did would make those today in the prayer movement look shameful in comparison. The scribes and Pharisees paid tithes of everything. I mean everything. They paid tithes on their livestock, income, their time. They paid tithes on their spices and herbs in their garden. They paid tithes on everything that they owned. In fact, as a matter, every scribe and Pharisee could have joined any church in America with honor. They walked holy. They were always upright. They looked like they were consecrated. They were doing the commandments, but they did not know God. I want to show you the words of Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe do you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. You see, you can look beautiful on the outside, but within, you're nothing more than dead men's bones. You can walk in a standard of holiness without knowing God. I've known many, many, many people that do that. You can pay tithes and not know God. But to the person who knows God, they are compelled to give out of themselves. And it goes beyond the minimum. What do I mean by that? And it goes beyond the minimum. People who relate to the tithe usually relate to a relationship based upon that which flows out of the minimum. Let me explain. Those who relate to the tithe usually relate to a relationship based upon that which flows out of the minimum. What is the tithe? The tithe is the starting place for those who really want to know God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Let me give you some revelation. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? 
And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, he shall give you that which is your own. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Notice what the scripture says. If you've not been faithful in that which is the least, what is the least? The least is the tithe. If you've not been faithful in that which is the least, the tithe, how can you be faithful in much? The least of the mammon is tithe, the tithe. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit unto your trust the two riches? If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? If you've not been faithful in the least which is tithing, how are you going to be faithful in the more? What is the more? Healing, deliverance, freedom from condemnation, intimate relationship. How are you going to be trusted with the more when you have not been faithful with the least which is tithing? Awesome teaching. You see, you can live holy and not know God. You can live holy and not know God. Look at John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. These Jews who believed on Jesus took offense at his words. Jesus said, if you continue in the word, then you'll be my disciples. And, they, and, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They, they said unto Jesus, how sayest they that, how sayest that we shall be free? We are Abraham's seed. We are under bondage to no man. And look what Jesus says to them. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. These Jews did not know God. They said, we're, we're, we're not under bondage to no man. And yet the entire Roman nation had the entire Jewish nation under bondage. They followed the teaching, and they followed the word of God concerning Abraham, but they did not know God. The very one speaking to them, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is speaking to them, and they do not know him. You can do the commandments and not know God, but you cannot know God and not do the commandments. What? I said, you can do the commandments and not know God, but you cannot know God and not do the commandments. When you know God, the byproduct of that knowing is a life committed and consecrated unto God, which follow after his commandments. You see, when you have intimacy with God, I'll tell you what it does, it produces holy action. 
Look at First John chapter two verse four. First John chapter two verse four. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If you know him, knowing him makes you keep his commandments. And if you say that you know him and you do not keep his commandments, you are a liar. You are a liar and the truth is not in you. It's the truth that makes you free. Let us pray. I don't want to thank you and praise you today that the mighty name of Jesus Christ shall be exalted. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that I may be able to stand in this place, this platform of being able to bring forth your word. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Visit our website and see what we're doing throughout the entire world, amen? Look at my Facebook page, see what we're doing, amen? We give God the glory and thank you for your participation. This is DK Grooms and Rock Dollar Two. Go with God, and he will surely go with you.